Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. I am just running behind this morning and a little bit groggy with it. Um, today is Friday, January 29th. Um, last podcast of January 2021. That went fast. Didn't it seem like it went fast? So for some reason, I just slept super duper hard last night. I uh, woke up at seven, but also, you know, it was one of those sleeps where I just slept like the dead, you know, where you're almost aware of being asleep and being really, really deeply asleep. And, uh, I kind of knew it was coming towards morning and I did not want to wake up and <laughs> finally woke up and the sky was pretty light, which this time of year is, is a bad sign. <laughs> it's like, oh. and it sure enough, it was like six fifty six. So I did get my run in, um, my jogging, my treadmill jogging, uh, Victoria doll, who I think is writing is, is it Victoria Stone now? Anyway, she moved over into like romantic suspense, but she was riffing on this whole thing once about um, that she was trying to get in shape and she was learning to run and uh, that her husband had said to her, because she said, well, you know, I, I ran two miles today or something like that. And her husband said, well, was it running or more jogging? one of those things our spouses do to us right and she had shared this on twitter and she and i were were talking about it it's like um you know when do you get to call it running and when is it like walk jogging and and who the hell cares you know you have to be able to uh do it yourself right you know all that matters is that you're actually doing the thing so uh and it was funny because then another time um, Vicki had posted something about going running and I said, yeah, was it running or was it actually jogging? And, and she replied with a laugh, but somebody else, it was like on Twitter and somebody else chimed in and said, uh, you know, got, got really angry with me and said, you know, what's important is that she's exercising and why are you questioning, you know, and all this kind of thing. And, um, uh, and, and some, and it was funny because somebody else, someone I didn't know, another friend of hers had made the exact same joke uh, that I did. And, and this person was, was slamming both of us and Vicki had to step in. She's like, no, 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 it's okay. They're friends. They're just riffing on a previous joke. And the other gal was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm all like Hulk smash pregnancy hormones. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I understand that. Is it running or is it jogging? I will confess. I call it running but it's really jogging. I don't go any faster than 5.5 miles an hour, which I know by the buttons on the treadmill is jogging and not running, but I am, I am moving myself in a, uh, more or less sprightly manner. So I did get that done today. I've come up with a new solution for what I was talking about yesterday. You may have seen me adjust it there. If you're watching on video, um, to block the bottom of the phone so that I can't see distracting comments, especially from the creepazoids who show up, uh, 
because the sticky note yesterday worked kind of okay. What Once I got it really stuck on there, it did do better, but it felt like not a permanent solution. So do you know what I'm using today? I was talking about putting something across the bottom of the phone. I'm using one of my masks, one of my pandemic masks. I have it looped around the bottom of the phone so that I can't see. Uh, and I think it's funny because now I've realized, do you think there's going to be like, once we're done and we're getting close to done, um, you know, like the, we could, we're not at the end of the tunnel, but, but we could definitely see the shape of the entrance. We know it's not an oncoming train and we've just got to trudge this last bit of a way. I think that like, there's going to be these lists of like hacks of what to do with your pandemic mask post pandemic, or will we all just throw them on bonfires and, and hug our friends as we do it <laughs> and drink from each other's glasses and stuff as we burn our masks. I don't know. I have a collection now. I, we all have a collection of masks, right? And some of them are kind of cute because I thought, why not have cute masks? So mine is masking my phone. So, so yeah, I don't know why I slept so hard last night, but sometimes that happens. And with my whole practice of not getting up until I, or not of letting myself wake up naturally, uh, that, that is the wages, the wages of that, that sometimes I will uh, wake up a little late. So it's not a huge deal. I told Dorinda I'd be 10 minutes late. This time I knew for sure I would be. So let's see. Um, I am still working on Sorceress Queen and the Pirate Rogue that will be going on for some time, but I have passed 10,000 words on it. So that's that's nice. That's nice for our first week. Um, closing in on the end of scene one, Jack and Stella have um, an interesting dynamic. And... Um, I am going to include today a a bit of um at the end uh, a shout out to uh Jeff and Will's I think it's Jeff and Will's Big Gay Con Big Gay podcast. I haven't been able to talk well this week. Have you guys noticed that or am I just being self-conscious? Let me make sure I got the name of it right. But I'll have a clip on the end. They're another one of the frolic network podcasts and a very fun one that focuses on lgbgtq uh, type books and let's see i'm going to just open this jeff and wills ah, don't do that <laughs> sometimes if i open things in paint it wants to put a line on there you know oh there we go it, it's it like defaults to the drawing tool. And so instead of selecting or being able to use my fingers to close it down, it like draws a black line on there. So yeah, it's Jeff and Will's big gay fiction podcast. So I will be including that at the end for you all today. Um, they are really nice guys and have very fun and uh, amusing podcast. So that's the photo that's on the show notes today. So thinking more about love and hate and universal fantasies, 
So one thing that, uh, and some of this is, if you had not listened earlier this week, I was talking about listening to Theodora Taylor on Universal Fantasies, and she was referencing some of the stuff that some of you may have heard from Jennifer Barnes, Barnes on Writing for the Id. And one of the things Theodora said was she was talking about kinds of universal fantasies and how those work in stories and what we're looking for in that. And she was saying that the whole bully romance thing um, or like the villain becoming the hero thing, some of that stuff is that it comes from this universal fantasy of someone who was mean to us um, having to change their ways and, and falling in love with us after all. And I thought, well, that's interesting because, you know, the concept of bully romance doesn't work for me that well. Some I don't mind as much as others. Um, Corrine, my assistant, really, really hates bully romance. And she says that it's because, or any kind of bully in a book, because she has been was bullied in her youth, and she's like, this is the last person I want to have a love relationship with, which I think is absolutely true in reality, but that doesn't quite get at the at the universal fantasy aspect of it, right? Um, like in Cruel Prince, I didn't mind the bully aspect of that one. I do mind it in other things. So, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say, but one thing that occurred to me in thinking about that as Theodora was talking about the bully romance thing is that even though we say universal fantasy, which implies that it's a fantasy that everybody has, that's not true, right? University, universal fantasies aren't. <laughs> Should make that a, a tag on this podcast. Universal fantasies aren't. Uh, not everybody does have the same fantasies. And I think as writers, we love the idea of a universal fantasy because we're always hoping to have that book that every person in the universe will love and 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 buy and pay our mortgage with. But um, that doesn't work even with immensely immensely popular books. There is uh, there are still people who will dislike it, and some of that comes back to that love hate thing that I was talking about the other day that. Um, for every person who love, love, loves a thing, there is another person who hates, hates, hates it. And I think universal fantasies may be something that get at the heart of that, um, of that deep reaction. Um, maybe it's not a universal fantasy so much as the visceral response. And I think that's why Jennifer Barnes put it as writing for the id, you know, that in some ways it is speaking to the part of us that does not have, um, I don't know, that isn't tremendously reasoning, that isn't rational, that isn't about the very reasonable voice, reasonable voice that says the last person I want to be in a relationship with is someone who bullied me. So I think that when we get at universal fantasies, you know, it it's a balance. And I think that maybe as writers, what we have to think about is writing what for us is the fantasy. 
And, and I think that's what Theodora was getting at, too, because she was saying, you know, if you have some uh, deep fantasy that you've nurtured, and I think we all have those, you know, like certain favorite fantasies that we've had all our lives. She was like, write that, write that, because there will be other people who like it, too. It doesn't mean that everybody will like it, but certainly plenty of people will. And, you know... I guess we would all like to be universally loved, but it doesn't necessarily work out that way, right? I think that I've gotten a number of interesting comments on, on the concept of of the love-hate thing. And, and to recap briefly, just for those of you who uh, may not have caught the podcast the other day, I was talking about Clear Channel and the radio station test where they found that uh, if people hate a song on the radio, that they'll change the station. Uh, so, and, and that there are equal numbers of, for every person who loves a song, there's another person who hates it. So if they had one chance of someone keeping the radio station on and turning up the volume and being happy, they had an equal chance that somebody else would change the station and they didn't want people to change the station. And if they and they found that if somebody was meh about the song, if they neither if they didn't really care, neither loved nor hated it, they may not turn it up. But they also did not change that station. So instead of having one listener, they had two, and they found that this was a huge way to keep people listening to their radio station all day, which is part of why you know, like music and office music is such a joke because the music that they play in public spaces or in offices like that is deliberately chosen to be meh, to be, you know, half the time you don't even hear it. You know, like maybe every once in a while you hear it. Sometimes you'll like the funny thing with an elevator, you know, like you'll hear that elevator music and, and you realize that it's some sort of bizarre instrumental cover of a song you actually like, but they have managed to take all of the good stuff out of it <laughs> so that it's become, you know, like the um, instant oatmeal version of the steel cut oats thing that you really liked. So one, so what a lot of people who commented said about the meh reactions to books was that, and and see, this is going to be different because these are like passionate readers that they said where they really find that it kicks in is with a long running series where they end up divorcing the author finally because there's too many meh books in a row. And they said, you know, maybe it's them. Maybe they just get tired of it. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, when you're doing a long running series like that for an author that that becomes a bread and butter thing. Right. And in some ways, this is just my working hypothesis, but don't you think that the author has probably settled into that arena because it keeps just enough readers buying the next installment? Um, you don't love it like you maybe did the early books, but you also don't hate it enough to throw it across the room. And Passionate readers, I think, maybe are outliers in this kind of formula because passionate readers have very specific and high expectations. 
But if, if your idea is to keep that whole middle section of people continuing to buy your books, then focusing in on that email response is, I don't know. I, it's, it's the clear channel formula for success, right? And I think that's, I'm not saying do this. <laughs> of course, I am not the model of, um, you know, I'm not Charlene Harris, but I'm thinking of series like that where I fell off of them due to that meh response after a while. And yeah, that was it. It was like, okay, this is just like the last three books. Um, but they, and, and I look at some of those series and I think, wow, you know, it's amazing. They're still writing these books and uh, people are still buying those books. There are authors who have like rather famously gone off the rails with their series. And I wonder how are they, how are their readers still buying their books? And I think that maybe that's what it is. I think maybe that the book delivers um, that feeling that they want and they don't hate it enough to stop. They don't hate it enough to change the station. So th those are my thoughts on that. Um, you know me, I am the fall on the side of that writing is not an easy way to make a living. And that if it's your goal to become rich or to have a steady salary, you know, then you might as well work in a bank or something like that. Um, the The reason to, to be a writer is if you want to be a storyteller. And I think that going for those things that that elicit a strong reaction from people is is part of what we're doing you know i think um i think i would rather have the strong response than the math response now ask me that right after i've read a view where somebody really complained about about the book um i did see one review of uh golden griffin where uh the gal said that she nearly dnf'd it and she only kept going because she likes me as a writer, but she had a really strong reaction to the characters and didn't like them. And I thought, well, you know, I'm glad she kept going because she ended up loving it, but she did start out with that strong hate response. And, you know, they, I, I, at first I'm sad because I'm like, no, don't do it don't DNF my book. I don't want you to hate my characters. Please love them. Please love me. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that means that I, I did something right. You know, that I created, um, created a reaction. So before I sign off, I will, um, I forgot to talk about earrings. I'm still on the random singles. Uh, I have this little polished green stone one that I have no idea where I got. I have no idea where I lost the other one, but I like it because it's a nice hint of color and it's a kind of a mild, pretty green that uh, sometimes is very useful, although I don't really wear it often. And then this other one is really cool. And I don't know if you could see it on the video, probably not, it won't really focus. Uh, but it's kind of hard to tell what it is in real life, but this is a reproduction from an Egyptian frieze or something. And it's a stylized rooster. And my aunt, Mary Jane Kennedy, brought this back to me. It's stamped on the back, 
MMA, Museum of Modern Art, 1977. And she brought this back from New York for me when I was, well, 11 years old, right? And I have had these earrings ever since then. And I, it's unusual. It doesn't really show up hugely well. And it's on this weird wire bracket. You could, if you're watching a video, you could see I'm having a hard time getting it back in my ear. I might have to give up. Oh, there it goes. Um, and it doesn't really show up, but I don't know, sentimentality. And I think it's, it's cool. It's very unusual. So I will remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And stay tuned for a little taste of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. You all take care. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm Will from the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. We're proud to be part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Our show is for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. When we spoke to author Casey McQuiston, she had this to say about her best-selling debut novel, Red, White, and Royal Blue. A big thing that I want to do as an author and as a queer person is push those stories into the mainstream. Everybody deserves to have like a big, shiny, tropey rom-com, you know? Author Adriana Herrera writes intersectional stories about heroes with heart. So I wanted to write something that could be nuanced and also show the joyfulness and the beauty of being a person that's Afro-Latinx and all the amazing things that we come with. New episodes are available every Monday. You can find us at BigGayFictionPodcast.com and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We hope you'll join us soon. Until then, keep turning those pages and keep reading.